Welcome back, everyone. I'm Mallory Sunderhues. And I'm Carol Urbis. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We are coming to you guys from beautiful Colorado. We actually just had so much snow in the last few days, and it has been so beautiful. God's yeah. beauty over the mountains and the sun coming on the mountains. So we're just kind of basking in that today. <laughs> but we are really excited to share with you guys today's topic, which is the role of a prophet. And why I'm really excited to share this with you guys is it really is such an interesting topic that I know so many of you guys and myself for so long and still have a lot of questions on. Yeah, Mallory, a lot of people do have questions on this. And we're actually going to talk today about some of the most misunderstood people we have ever met. (laughs) And we're going to try to touch even on modern day prophets and prophecy too, because that's, there's a lot of confusion out there on that. And I often get asked, and maybe you do too, Mallory, on how to tell if a prophet or prophecy is true today, because there seems to be a lot of both going on. Yeah, I definitely have that question as well. And, but I like what you say. It really is, they're misunderstood people. And I think that's true. And it's easy to read through the Old Testament prophets. And we think of them as they are these highly valued messengers And, you know, they have their own books in the Bible, but it really came to them with a price. And we don't realize that. And we can see through scripture that a lot of times they were unliked because they were communicating a message of warning and people didn't like that. No, and people still don't like those messages today. You know, when speaking of prophets in the Bible, uh, just to help you guys out, they're widely called major and minor prophets. They're called minor because they're considered, quote, little ones compared with big ones like Isaiah, Jeremiah, or even Ezekiel. However, it's important to know as you start to study the prophets that even the minor prophets are just, even if they just have one page in your Bible, which I think there's a couple like that, they're still very, very important. So why don't we start out with asking the question that's probably on a lot of your minds of what is a prophet? And so let's start by just letting you guys know that prophets were actually ordinary men and women. And as evidenced in the Bible, uh, the gift of prophecy that they were given was actually given for both genders. And so in the Old Testament, you are going to find that there were prophets and there were prophetesses. But who were they? Well, first and foremost, they were ordinary people, no different than you and me, but they were given very extraordinary functions. And that function was to speak for God. But before we can speak for God, we have to hear from God, right? So if you have someone called a prophet, they must have a prophecy or a message to share. And so I think it's important to note that the two qualifications of a prophet in the Bible is first, um, he has to have a sensitivity to hear from God. And then secondly, and this is big, He has to have the courage to pass on what he's heard. Because as Mallory just said, their messages were strong and they were very difficult to hear. So hopefully that's a great start to where we're going. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I mean, the messages that prophets had, they would hear both in words and then are also pictures. So let's start with the words. In words, especially Old Testament words from God to prophets, they were heavy words, so much so that these prophets really felt a burden. And I think this is a good question. You know, have you ever heard somebody say, 
I'm burdened for our country or I'm burdened for our children and people who are sensitive to the spirit of God working within them. Oftentimes you'll, you, maybe you yourself, or you'll hear people talking about this, that they have a burden for something. And Carol, I can definitely identify with that. And when God's put something on my heart to share with somebody, it's not really lightened until I deliver it. And I have a good story about that. Um, so years ago I was in ministry school with a friend and we studied the whole Bible together actually and became really close. And, um, so years later, um, I just saw on his Instagram that there was just this way of life that he was living that was no longer the way that, um, that's just a life of purity and a life of truth. And, um, when I saw it, it really grieved me and I just started to pray. I was like, God, you know, what is going on with this? What is going on in his life? And God really revealed things to me. And I will say, sometimes God will put something on my heart. And the only burden for me is to pray. And I do feel that until I pray. And other times it's to pray and to also um, share that word. And so I put a message together for him. I sent it in his inbox. Thankfully, I felt like God gave me really loving words with truth that was a warning to him of the path that he was going down. And it wasn't easy to do it, but thankfully God gave me strength for it. But, and unfortunately, you know, I didn't hear back, but, um, but God, he, but God loves this man so much that he wanted to plant that seed, that he wanted to give that warning. And so, yeah. And so that's out of God's kindness that he put that burden on my heart. And so I was able to give that to him, but Anyways, all that to say, um, prophets were heavy with a message and heavy with a word of God. And a lot of times, or until they deliver it, then they're unburdened from that message. Um, but prophets' messages, they also not come only in words, but also in pictures. And so they can actually see things happen before they actually happen. And so in the Bible, a prophet is oftentimes called a seer because they see things. And these pictures come in a couple ways. And first they can come during the day when they're awake and this is, they're called visions, or they can come at night when they're asleep. These are called dreams. And so you have all these ways that God is communicating his word to his people. Yeah. And I think that's important to note, Mallory, that there's many channels God uses to speak to his people. But in whatever way he speaks to that person, that message must be delivered typically through the mouth. That's how the people received the word of God. And so when these prophets spoke, regardless of how they received the message, they usually spoke a couple different types of messages. They had a message that could have been a message of challenge, and that usually happened when the people were doing wrong, or they would give a message of comfort, and that happened when the people were doing right. And since Israel in the Bible was badly misbehaving and doing things that were wrong, most of the messages, the prophet's messages in the Bible were challenging to say the least. But then you have someone like Elijah, who actually was a strong prophetic voice, who actually came against these false prophets of God. So some of these messages weren't always just directed to Israel. But what happens is when you get someone like even say Isaiah, You'll find that in the book of Isaiah, the first half of his book is a challenge, but the second half is a comfort and comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, and so on. And so you can tell what the people were like by the prophecies they were given. 
Were they being obedient and following the Lord or were they being stubborn and rebellious? Excuse me. And then you had what's called the false prophets. And false prophets, prophets in the Bible typically only gave the second. And Mallory, can, do you mind if I share on just false prophets for a second? Yeah. You can always tell friends out there a, a true prophet because they usually give both. A true prophet of God is going to share challenging words, but they will also have some comforting words appropriate to the situation. But false prophets, you can typically tell a false prophet because they give the people what they want to hear. And I'm afraid that that's what's running recklessly through the church today. People appealing to the flesh or fears of mankind, speaking words to meet, you know, selfish desires or bring them comfort. And people rarely are afraid to address people in the body of Christ uh, with a strong word of challenge. You know, people don't want to hear that they've been naughty or rebellious. They want someone to tell them that their problems are soon to go away. And, you know, we were warned about this also in the New Testament in 2 Peter 2, where he says, you know, false prophets are going to arise among the people just as there are going to be false teachers. And man, do we have both of those today. And both of those are going to bring swift destruction upon themselves, Peter says. And so the sad part is, I have sat in numerous churches listening to false prophetic words and false teachers, and but a lot of people cannot discern that that counterfeit because most people, well, are biblically illiterate. They don't really know the Bible very well. And Peter also refers to them as wells without water. He calls them, you know, people who bring, speak great swelling words of emptiness. And, you know, Jeremiah said almost those exact same words. Well, actually, Peter is probably referring to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 2, where he even says that he calls these people broken cisterns. And so we have to be so careful about the different voices, those prophetic voices that we are listening to. And, you know, for those of you who might not be too familiar with the prophet Jeremiah, you know, when he was speaking to Israel and he was warning them for almost 40 years to repent and return to the Lord, there was so much going on in that book. And sadly, they didn't listen because false prophets had risen up all around them. And rather than listen to Jeremiah because he was speaking really strong words, the people embraced the words of the false prophets instead. And when you go to the book of Lamentations, after the destruction of, of Jerusalem and the destruction of Israel from, uh, and Jeremiah is witnessing the aftermath of all of that, what does he say? And I think it's Lamentations 2, he says, your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They haven't uncovered your iniquity. And I think that's the thing about prophets today, Mallory, is a lot of prophets who give a strong, challenging word, it's to uncover our iniquity. It's to get us to turn back. We're going the wrong way. But the false prophets will always keep people deceived and everything is always going to be A-OK and God is going to do this and God is going to do that instead of turning us from any of our sinful ways or sinful patterns and getting us to realign back to God. And that's that same spirit that is alive in a well today running rampant through the body of Christ. And so it is a big concern of mine. And I know I'm, I'm on a little soapbox for a minute and I hope you don't mind. Um, but, you know, these people are in the church, friends. Take care that you don't get carried away with this error and this lawlessness because, because we're not trained up. 
you know, that's why we're called Jeremiah's Call Ministries, you know, and the prophet Jeremiah suffered horrible insult and persecution from his countrymen. And honestly, Mary, Mallory, I am so concerned for the body of Christ because we are heaping up itching ears. And, and Paul warned us of that in 2 Timothy 4. People are, we want to be filled with our own appetites and the things that serve our own flesh and our body and our soul. And, and you know, uh, Paul warns us not to embrace this worldly system that's out there, but that's what's happening. And God's not going to have any of it, friends. You know, he's jealous for his name. And so anyway, I kind of went off on a tangent. But either way, these prophets spoke for God, but there's also the false prophets that speak falsely for God. Yeah, I think that's so enlightening. And I'm so glad that you shared that, Carol, because I've learned a lot about prophecy over the years. And I've actually never heard those verses. So, well, I shouldn't say never, but as clearly as you laid it out with the Old Testament as well, that it is... Um, there's warning and he also, and there's also, um, blessing as well. Um, so yeah. And you know, the Lord spoke frequently through prophets when they were doing wrong. And so they got the reputation of being doom and gloom. They were constantly saying, you know, there's disaster ahead. (laughs) Exactly. And something else to keep in mind, you guys, and this is for, for our listeners is that God will use, he will use whatever instrument he wants to get the attention of his people, which is what he did with Israel using, he used Assyria and Babylon and he warned his people for decades, for decades through Jeremiah and through the other prophets that if they continued in the rebellion, there would be consequences. And there were, when Jerusalem was destroyed, he accomplished it by using King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And so we see this in Jeremiah 27 verse six, it says, behold, I will bring a nation against you from afar. O house of Israel says the Lord, it is a mighty nation. It is an ancient nation, a nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. And we saw this come to pass. It was prophesied and, and God uses nations to discipline his people. It's his mercy that does this. How long would you let your child stay in rebellion against you before you discipline them? And God was patient for decades. It's his mercy that he sent the prophets to begin with. And at some point the judgment comes and today, People, they don't want to believe this about God anymore. But I want to say this too, back to that discipline. And there's a great verse in Hebrews verse 12, um, 12 verse 4 through 11. I encourage you to go look at it. But it says, essentially it says that you are only legitimate children of God if he disciplines you. So just sit on that for a minute. Um, Because we don't hear that so Mm -hmm. often. And, and, um, And if you're being disciplined, you're being treated as his child. And I can definitely understand that now that I'm a parent and we are just starting to get in the discipline phase. My oldest is two, almost two and a half. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I just think, wow, if I really am going to love my child, I am going to discipline her and warn her of things and not just say everything's good. Everything's good. I mean, could you imagine if I said that if she was about to run out into the street And that's how God is for us. And so, but I think that's a good question for our listeners to ponder as well. Have you hardened your heart to God's discipline? Do you want to hear the words that just make you feel good? Whether it's the way that you interpret the Bible and only what passages you read in the Bible, 
or if it's someone close to you that is giving you a prophetic word or someone close in your life, like a pastor or friend. So, and two, God is, he knows our hearts more than we do. And if you would say that you have hardened your heart to him, um, just ask him to come and soften your heart and just listen to what he wants to communicate to you. That's so good. You are such a great encourager. I am like the doom and gloom. I'm like the, (laughs) we're going to do this because I look at our nation, for example, and on our watch, we have government run amok for decades. We have an identity crisis with our children. We have divorce rates higher than ever. We have sexual sin destroying the image of Christ in us. We have abortion and infanticide and so on and so forth. And that new bill that just got proposed that would take the life of a newborn baby up to the day, up to 28 days after birth, That's a yeah. new infanticide bill. So we, we have got so much to deal with in our own country from greed to selfishness. And in simple, simple terms, the way I see it, we have no fear of the Lord. Do we? And, and so I always ask myself, because I'm always looking for those voices, even though, you know, I know the Lord is doing his thing, but do we really think we're off God's radar? I mean, think of even the story of Jonah when he went to Nineveh. Nineveh, if I mean, the Assyrians were brutal. They had some of the worst torture techniques of any neighboring nation in Israel. They were a major pagan nation, and God sent Jonah there. And he basically said, look, repent of all these things you're doing. Not that they even knew the God of Israel, right? And yet God had mercy on them and they repented. And then, of course, God sent another prophet there about 150 years later named Nahum. Well, this time they wouldn't repent and God judged them. And there's several places in the Bible that reference, quote, your sins have come up to me. I think something our country, people in our country don't even consider, Mallory, our sins come up before the Lord. And our sins in our nation, my friends, are great. And so we need these strong prophetic voices. You know, one of the best books, if you guys, if someone out there loves to read different books, I do, um, I do as well. There is a, one of the best books I've ever read on the prophets came from actually a Jewish man named Abraham Heschel. And he passed away in 1972. He was born in the early 1900s. He truly captures the mind, heart, and spirit of an Old Testament prophet to such accuracy in his book titled The Prophets. It's a very simple title. And I jotted down a couple of his quotes to help us understand prophets and prophecy better. Because in a nation like ours, where we've got so much right now that we need to reverse and, and do better in our country, when those voices come upon our country, when you pass by um, somebody who's you you know calls themselves a prophet, or somebody passes you a video or an audio or whatever of somebody who quote is a prophet, I want you to just listen to some of the quotes that this man uses on how he describes a prophet. Quote number one: The prophet is a person, not a microphone. He is endowed with a mission, with the power of a word, not his own, that accounts for greatness. The word of God reverberated in the voice of man. Perhaps this is the issue that frightens the prophets. A people may be dying without being aware of it. A people may be able to survive 
yet refuse to make use of their ability. Let me give you some more. To a person endowed with prophetic insight, everybody else appears blind. To a person whose ear perceives God's voice, everyone else appears deaf. The prophet hates the approximate. He shuns the middle of the road. How about this one? A prophet always begins with a message of doom and concludes with a message of hope and redemption. Let's not forget that one. The prophet was an individual who said no to his society, condemning its habits and assumptions, its complacency, waywardness, and syncretism, which we've been talking about in our podcast, that syncretism, which is the mixing of all these other worldviews. He says no to it all. The prophet is a man who feels fiercely. He seldom tells a story. Rather, he casts events. This, is, he, this man is capturing so vividly the the prophets of the Bible. And I'm saying these quotes because I'm really hoping to help you understand these people better. So when you read the Old Testament and read the Bible, you have a better picture of how these people were wired. Let me just give you a few more. A prophet is a preacher whose purpose is not self-expression, but communication. His images must not shine. They must burn. We and the prophet have no language in common. To us, the moral state of society for all its stains and spots seems fair and trim, but to the prophet, it is dreadful. How about, while others are intoxicated with the here and now, the prophet has a vision of the end. I think that's why their messages are filled with such urgency. The prophet is human, yet he employs notes one octave too high for our ears. That's why they were persecuted, tortured, and killed. And two more. The prophet's word is a scream in the night. While the world is at ease and asleep, the prophet feels the blast from heaven. Above all, the prophet reminds us of the moral state of a people. Few are guilty, but all are responsible. Yeah, and I think that that's what George Barno was identifying in his research as well about people's moral state and you know I might not be guilty of certain things but as a society I'm responsible to do something about it as a Christian and so let me quote this from George Barna and it's a little long so I'll let you know when it's done but keep in mind this is done from extensive research that he did and even encourage you to go check out him and his other stats that he's put out as well But he says, our nation is facing a potential moral freefall unthinkable to earlier generations, with the majority of Americans today no longer embracing values of honesty, respect for the rule of law, the sanctity of life, and traditional sexual morality when facing moral issues. The latest research shows that America is undergoing a radical reshaping of what constitutes morally acceptable behavior. As American adults increasingly reject biblical teaching, an absolute moral truth as a basis of moral decision-making. Younger Americans, which qualifies um, 18 to 29, are least likely to consider the Bible in moral decisions and instead look to themselves or to family with six out of 10 10 adults now contending that there are no moral absolutes. It's not surprising that traditional moral choices are being refined. So that's the end of his quote. And so as a millennial myself, I ask, where are the strong prophetic voices today? Where are the spiritual leaders unafraid of speaking up that scream in the night? So, yeah. yeah. You know, 
I do believe there are voices out there, but they, but they must be tested. And that's something I don't think a lot of people are doing today, testing these voices that are speaking out all over the place, whether it's a false prophet or a false teacher. I don't believe every dream someone shares, and you know this about me, Mallory, I'm a huge dreamer. I've been a vivid dreamer since I've been a child. And I just don't believe every dream someone puts out there. I try to weigh it, test it, think about it, ponder it, go to the Lord with it. I don't believe every word someone gives me or shares. You know, there's a lot of counterfeit prophets and prophecy and teachers and doctrine friends dressed up to look like a messenger of light when it's not. And, you know, Jeremiah had different phases of his ministry, even at one point looking kind of similar to a street preacher today, where he was commanded to go out into the street and scream at the top of his voice to his peers, to his people. You know, if we saw a Jeremiah like that today on our street corner, what do people do now with street preachers? They make fun of them. They ridicule them. They walk past them. His ministry was not popular. You know, and this, I, I'm telling you, I, I just love this whole book, but I want to share something from Jeremiah 23. And it says, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. Okay, Jeremiah, like I said earlier, was the only, specifically the only one at that moment speaking for the Lord, but there arose false ones contradicting his message and people fell for the other one because it felt good. And the quote goes on, the scripture goes on, uh, they make you worthless. These false prophets, friends, make you worthless. There's no fear of the Lord. There's no urgency to change. There's no urgency to seek out the Lord. The Lord continues. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. Wow. I think a lot of the prophetic words that I've heard even during the election time was all about the peace and safety of the people. And then the Lord continues. And to everyone who walks according to his dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. In other words, you don't have to change. Keep doing what you're doing. God loves you, right? So, and this is the part that I love for who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard his word, who has marked his word and heard it. There are fewer and fewer people today standing in the counsel of the Lord, seeking the Lord's counsel. We will sit and take in the counsel of people all day long, but how often do we seek the counsel of the Lord? And that is one way you can test a false prophet or a false teacher. Is this person you're listening to at church or in a conference or in a seminary or a university fully surrendered to the Lord? Is their life not their own? Does their walk match their words? I'm tired of people whose walk is not matching their words. And so friends, be careful not to follow people because of popularity or because they have multiple degrees. It means nothing. God looks at the heart and he's looking at people whose hearts are loyal to him. Are we standing in the counsel of the Lord, meaning in prayer, sitting with him in his word before we start to try to share something with another person? God used the unassuming people to do some of his weightiest work. And listen, if there is someone out there right now, if you're listening out there and you are one of those hidden ones, one who has surrendered to him, sometimes it can feel very lonely, but I want to encourage you. You are not alone. You have him with you and you are precious to him. And you just might be someone he's got his eye on to deliver a message to someone somewhere because you wait on him and you sit in his counsel.
Yeah, I think that's so good. And I think that's such a good test. And you guys, prophetic inspiration and what it should be today, it's for the sake it's for the sake and for the benefit of the third party. It's not a private discussion between the prophet and God. It's the purpose to illuminate people to a message, not just to illuminate the prophet. And so that's a really good test as well. It's not just to boost up the ego of the prophet or their empire, but it's to bring revelation to the people. And remember you guys, sin is serious and it does disturb disturb the relationship between God and man. And the purpose of a prophet is to awaken people to the reality that their sin is harming the relationship with their creator. And this sin can be personal sin or it can be national sin like we see with Nineveh or with Israel. And this was the case before Christ came and it still is the case today. And so, Carol, that brings me to one of the one more things before we close out. Um, we're going to be talking about New Testament prophets, which is really fun. And we, we do see, do we see test or prophets in the New Testament? Yes, we do. <laughs> we see John the Baptist. He's an obvious one. And he spoke in quote exhortations to the people and many exhortations. The Bible says, you know, he says, repent. And these exhortations, they're strong urgings to get people to respond to a message. And while he had a message and his message or sorry, he had a message and his message was direct and it was a bit wild and unrefined and, um, especially by today's standards, but how did we see the people respond? Well, they asked, what shall we do? You know, they were so hungry to know what was Mm -hmm. next. Talk about fire preaching, you know, his, his word evoked a response. And I think that's so good. I just want to go back to what we're talking about. There's two things that Carol said with prophecy is that it's a warning. And then there's also a call to hope. And these people, they were so eager to walk in the way of God. And so I just, just to go back to that, I think that's so good that those people, you could tell that when you go back and read that they were filled with hope, that they weren't filled with, um, what is that? I mean, like regret. And there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. And so that is also another test as well. Um, so just moving on with the book of Acts, we see in chapter 21, verse nine, there was a man called Philip and he was an evangelist and Paul came to stay with them. And it says that he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So we do see prophecy in the new Testament and prophecy is a gift that was given And if this is something new to you, I encourage you to go search the scriptures for yourself. And we do have what is called a prophet. And we see that there's the fivefold ministry. um, And we can see that in the scriptures. And then the gift of prophecy is given. We see that and we can see in Romans 12, verse 6. It says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. And if it's serving, then serve. And it goes on with teaching and other things. But also, let's not forget what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. It says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so maybe you're hearing that and you're thinking, (laughs) I haven't really caught that verse before. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then in Acts 21 verse 10, there's a man named Agabus and he came from Judea to get, to give Paul a message. And he prophesied a doom and gloom message to him and that he would be bound and be put in prison. 
And the people urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem because of this prophecy. But he said, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart for I am not for I am ready not only to be in prison, but to even die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And so even though Agabus, he, what we, what we would perceive as a negative or heavy prophetic word, it actually was a blessing to Paul. So that kind of turns That's a lot good. of, yeah, a lot of prophetic teaching that I've had kind of up on its head uh-huh. and it was prepared for him. It prepared him for what was coming and it was an honor for him to die for the cause of Christ. And and that's how we look at some of these heavy words that came to Israel or or that might come today as long as they're tested. And some of these heavy words of judgment or something else are designed to be a blessing in disguise because they prepare us for something that's particular, particularly difficult. Yeah. And so I actually think I just, I'm telling all of my friends about this book and everybody who sees me right now, I just read the book, Hiding Place, The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And she was a woman who, she's from Holland, and she was taken by Nazis, and she hid um, Jewish people in her house. And it's just an amazing story. I really recommend you. It's changed me in so many ways. But this reminds me of a part in that book. And um, when the Nazis moved in, she just would get these pictures oftentimes in her head of her, her dad and her sister, and Nazis taking them from their house to a truck to be taken away Mm -hmm. and it is the same we see that it just goes to show that we see that today that god god prepared her and Mm -hmm. gave her strength for those things and knew that that was going to happen so Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's so uh encouraging to my heart that your generation is starting to read about corey ten boom because even my sisters who are 15 years older than me they learned about Corey Ten Boom, and I've taught on Corey Ten Boom before, so it's really amazing that the Lord is using this woman all these generations later. And, you know, she came out of those concentration camps on a mission, telling people, you're putting hope in a pre-tribulation rapture, and it's making you lazy. Whether that comes or not, you better be prepared. And that's that's the thing. The end of the age, she said, is not going to be easy. So regardless of what you believe about when a rapture happens or anything, that was her message. That was her message was basically hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And so we've got a lot to digest in just this episode, but we hope it helped you understand at least um, some good takeaways to start your own investigation into the prophets and prophecy a little bit better. It's not an exhaustive look, of course, but something to get you thinking. And so anyway, we hope it helped you. But yeah, yeah. I want to say one more thing too on that. Yeah. We, we quoted a lot of scripture through this and just encourage you go do an internet search on, I love the internet because <laughs> it gets you to verses so fast. It'll just give you a whole list, but search through the scriptures on yourself. Take these scriptures that we've said and go through the Bible on yourself and go do your own research. And that's what you guys, this is our whole heart behind our, this podcast is that we don't want to tell you our opinion. We want to point you to the word of God. And so if you go and go through your Bible, um, at the end of this message, then we are doing our job and that makes us so happy. So go up and up your Bibles. And so, yeah, that's just a lot to digest. So encourage you in that. And, um, yeah, just sit in the counsel of the Lord and let the Holy Spirit speak to you of these things and teach you on this. 
And so you guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate everybody who comes to listen. If you have any comments or you have any questions, you can email us at preparetheway at jcmcolorado.com or you can visit us at jeremiahscall.org. Until next time, take care. Thank you.